0: this particular subject um oh first of all can anyone hear everyone hear me thumbs up if you can hear yeah great lovely just make sure the sound levels are kept kept correct that's good excellent so i want to ask you a question following last week when we looked at the instruction to rejoice how have you got on with rejoicing um, in this week i know mandy's uh, done a lot for that because she's been playing a lot of praise music on her on her phone in the kitchen when she's been working hard and singing along and uh, trying to remind herself to rejoice. Um, To be honest, sometimes this week I felt down. Um, That's probably a normal experience I have, uh, some circumstances. But I've kept trying to remind myself to rejoice in the Lord. And I guess that's probably true for most of us, that even though we know uh, we need to rejoice in the Lord, it's not always been easy because circumstances have come on and that haven't helped us to be smiling all the time. But let's continue to pray for each other, that we would be people who rejoice in the Lord, And remember the good things. We've had some hard things this week with uh, Colette's uh, granddad passing away. Uh, It was good that he went to heaven. He was a Christian, but sad to say goodbye to him. So we do have difficult things that we can't smile at and we need to pray for each other. But let's also encourage each other and pray for each other that we might rejoice in all that the Lord is doing and has done for us. Let's pray as we look at the subject this week, Strive for Full Restoration. Heavenly Father, thank you that we do have reasons to rejoice because Jesus is our saviour, because there's a heaven ahead, because one day this world will be free from all sin and pain. And thank you, Lord, that we have reason to look to Jesus, to grow, to be more like him, as we've just sung in that song with the children, to be more and more like our saviour. Lord, help us to work hard, to strive for full restoration and teach us, Lord, about this subject now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, thank you, Micah, for reading to us, 2 Corinthians 13, 11 to 14. So we've had finally brothers and sisters rejoice. And now this week we're looking at strive for full restoration. Now you can see a quote on the screen and Don Carson wrote those words there. I'll read a bit of from the quote a bit more fully. Uh, he says, Paul's point now comes clear in chapter 13 verse 9 as he overtly returns to the heart of his prayer and he quotes from that passage there we are glad whenever we are weak but you are strong and our prayer is for your perfection and then we can see don carson continues to write paul's constant burning prayer is for the corinthians perfection constant burning prayer is for the corinthians perfection and he says i.e. their restoration to christian values their achievement of some degree of real maturity, their abandonment of the false gospel, their rejection of false apostles and their pursuit of Christian character. Nothing pleases Paul more than to see his converts mature, strong and robust in their faith. He is glad, he says, when they are strong. All Christian leaders should be glad when Christians are strong in the fellowship all christian parents should be glad when children are growing in faith and as we look to each other as brothers and sisters we should be glad and praying for each other that we would grow strong that we would grow towards perfection towards full restoration the amplified version of the bible puts that verse in 2 corinthians 13 about striving for full restoration like this be strengthened perfected completed made what you ought to be so let's uh, move forward and uh, we're going to look at uh, the first heading which is we need restoring so that's the first thing we need to bear in mind now the church that Paul is writing to here in in his second letter uh, to Corinthians the church has many good things going for it it's got a bit of a reputation the Corinthian church as being a bad lot but actually when you see how Paul describes them he really loves them Paul and his team really love them And actually, when you actually read through the letters, you see there's a lot going for these churches, this church rather, despite the problems that they are encountering. Paul and his team love them. we see that in chapter one, verse one. And of course, Paul, not only Paul, but his Lord loved them. It says there, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. So These are God's holy people and Paul acknowledges that as he writes to them. Whatever problems they've got, whatever restoration they need, God loves these people. They're his people and Paul is writing to them and his team is writing to them because they love them. We get a picture of of how Paul and his team are brimming over with love for this church despite the challenge challenge it's been to them. Chapter 6 of Corinthians verse 11. We have spoken freely to you Corinthians and open our heart, wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. So it's clear Paul is brimming over with love for for these dear people. And it's it's a wonderful thing to see. Now, if you imagine a large fishing net and essentially it's intact, overall it's intact, but it's got some weak places, it's got some threads broken, it's got plenty of holes in it, and some holes are in the wrong places. Because of course, with a fishing net, you need to have holes in it, don't you? But not holes in the wrong places. It's got loose ends and this fishing net is in danger with just a few more loads of fish or a bit of entanglement on a rock or maybe a shark giving it a headbutt. This net could be totally ruined, totally ruined. So the net is in overall shape. It's usable, but it needs mending. It needs restoring. It needs to be completed. And we need restoring, all of us. As churches, we need to aim for full restoration and as individuals we do too now the word for restoration is used in the gospels the same word for restoration of course the bible was written in greek the new testament was in greek and it's the same word that's used for preparing nets in mark's gospel chapter 1 verse 19 jesus it says when he had gone a little farther he saw james son of zebedee and his brother john in a boat preparing or restoring or mending their nets so this net image comes comes to us here now the corinthian church was like any other church really with its strengths and its weaknesses there were some particular problems they were having there were some people behaving childishly very immaturely in the church there were some people who needed to grow up there was a need for forgiveness and mercy there was a someone in the church who had seriously let the side down and now they were repentant and and living out a, a godly life and they needed help and and strength and restoring and encouragement and forgiveness there were some people in the church who were not listening to the leadership of of that had been established by paul and his team and instead they were listening to what we call false prophets people who'd come in after paul and his team had been and and been missionaries to them and and taught them what the gospel is these folk had come in and they were very impressive in their speeches They, they were very eloquent They didn't get tongue-tied like I do uh, or even like Paul did at times. He said it seems to indicate that he wasn't always the, the most eloquent of speakers and they had a certain charisma that was very attractive to people but they were not teaching the original gospel and there were some people who were listening to them rather than Paul and starting to drift. There were lots of people in the church who had responded to Paul's last letter 1 Corinthians and they'd been very sorry for not doing things correctly as they should have done as Paul challenges them in that letter and now they were seeking to follow God's way so they were wanting restoration and these people who had recognized they'd done wrong and not followed what the apostles had taught who were trying to do what was right they needed some encouraging didn't they they needed some nurturing and some building up so picture this church like a net it's got some loose ends, it's got some holes in the wrong places, it needs to be mended, some threads need to be tied in again, it needs to be restored, this is a net that needs restoration. Some more love needs to be threaded in, some more maturity, the knots need to be tied, it needs to be restored and part of that is to grow in wisdom and maturity and with a greater focus on Jesus himself. So, although the specific circumstances of the Corinthian church are different from ours, the needs are very similar in principle. And all churches down through history need this letter, need these verses here in 2 Corinthians. Why? Because there's no perfect church. And so we all need to strive for full restoration. And the reason for that reality is because a church is made up of broken and dislocated people, people who are broken people who who are out of joint and in fact the word for restoring in in the greek can be used for relocating dislocated joints so someone's shoulders out and it can be put back in and that's the word that would be used for the restoration of the joint and there are people we are in different ways all out of joint broken people and we need restoring that is the reality that's why we need to be saved that's why we need to become christians so we need restoring so we established that first of all now the next thing is this that the gospel wonderfully restores people the gospel wonderfully restores people Now, you see a list of verses on, on the slide there we'll, we'll be going through those bit by bit and uh, we um, are actually studying two corinthians the letter by looking at these last few verses because as we kind of look back through the letter we're getting the bigger picture of the corinthian situation and this, this whole letter now We know that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God, but also it separates us from people. It breaks our relationships. It destroys joy, as we thought last week, and it damages our spirits. It damages the way that our minds work. It damages our thinking. And therefore, because of sin, one way or another, our own sins or the sins of others against us, we become broken people. But the good news is that Jesus restores us. The gospel of Jesus restores us chapter 3 verse 18 says this we all with who with unveiled faces because we know the lord now through through faith in jesus we all with who with unveiled faces contemplate the lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit so we are being transformed the gospel is transforming our lives with ever increasing glory in chapter 4 verse 16 it says there we don't lose heart though our though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all we we struggle in this life with physical problems and emotional problems mental illness we struggle with difficult circumstances with the reality of sin and death and pain but we are achieving we are heading for something which is going to outweigh all these things as we continue with faith and trust in jesus they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all chapter 5 verse 17 therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here in principle the very second that you became a christian you became a new cre- new creature you were born again you became god's child and you fundamentally something has changed inside your soul has been brought back to life your spirit has been brought back to life you know god now so in principle a new creation has started has has begun in us and then chapter 5 verse 18 and 19 all this is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that god was reconciling the world to himself in christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation so the gospel is restoring relationship with god it's reconciling sinners with a holy god and it also brings a message of reconciliation out as we treat each other with that that love and that grace that god has shown us and so it is a message of reconciliation that joins us back together with god and to each other And, and all of this is based on the fact that when we're saved We went from being separated from God to being his very own sons and daughters. And so chapter six, verse 18, God says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord almighty. So the the death and the resurrection of Jesus has achieved a fundamental restoration of relationship for all who believe in Jesus. So if you're a Christian, if you have turned from your sin, repented and put your trust in Christ, you are God's child now and all believers are sure of the full and final restoration of everything in that new heavenly existence that is to come now you can see on the screen two uh, pictures there and there's a picture of household cleaning items and there's a picture of some kind of workshop items there and we've got the picture of the welding helmet and various things there for for restoring things for getting rust off things for for fixing things tightening things up for rubbing things down to make them smooth the sandpaper some glue for sticking things together The gospel restores things we got the household cleaning items getting rid of the dust and the dirt and the debris ironing the creases out making something look nice again and some cleaner for getting rid of the germs and cleaning the windows and things like that and this is a a picture to us of what the gospel does in our hearts in our lives as we cooperate with God in this transforming process it's an exciting thing now as we can see from the verses that we looked at, that, that list of verses just a few moments ago, in practical terms, a process has begun when we became a Christian. A process, a process of maturing, of restoration starts when we, when we become a Christian. Fundamentally, we're changed in a, in a nanosecond. We are God's children. But then there's a process of change which will ultimately result in the new creation. Chapter, going back to chapter 3, verse 18. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So God is working in us. We are being transformed. But we also see from our passage of this morning, particular from chapter 13, that we need to take a serious part in that. We have to work together with the Holy Spirit in this transforming process. We need to pray and we need to work hard, strive for full restoration see god wants us to own this god wants us to own this process you see god could zap us and enable us to live different lives like robots and almost to just make us do what is right and good and and transform us but god wants our wills our souls in the depths of who we what we really want and who we really are to want this and to work with this now when i was a boy some of you folk will remember this there was a, a children's program called joe 90 a bit like Thunderbirds or Captain Scarlet with, with puppets. And uh, Joe 90 was a, a boy, an ordinary schoolboy. I think he was about 10, 11, something like that. And uh, he was a, a special agent. And what would happen is this, this ordinary schoolboy, uh, a bit adventurous and so on, but he would go in this, this thing, this a machine, and uh, he would spin round and round. And this this ordinary school boy would get zapped with this special knowledge for the mission. So he, if he had to go to a different country where he had to speak a different language, if he had to learn how to use certain... to, to certain martial arts techniques or to, to fight battles and so on and use weapons and to use survival techniques he would get all the information zapped into his head after this thing had spun around it made you go dizzy watching it watching it and then it opened up and joe 90 stepped out ready for his mission and off he went on his exciting adventures but then he'd come back and he, he wouldn't he wouldn't really be him because he'd be an ordinary schoolboy and uh, once the, the thing had kind of drifted from his head once he'd finished his mission he had to be reprogrammed for the next mission so his knowledge got and skills got zapped into his head but it wasn't him he didn't own it but God doesn't want us to be Joe 90s he doesn't want us to have stuff zapped into our heads so that we automatically do it like robots God wants us to know God wants us to want God's will and for that to be us for that to be you not just what someone else wants but what you want and what we want and what we have owned is how God wants us to see this development process, something that we want and something that we own for ourselves. Now Paul uh, taught us to, to pray as well as to work. Paul himself prayed for this process in chapter 13 verse 9. Uh, the prayer is that you may be fully restored. So Paul is praying, he's burning prayer as Don Carson, Don Carson quoted, we quoted from earlier on. This is Paul's deep and burning goal for the Corinthian church, that they might be fully restored, that the, the loose threads and the missing pieces of the net might be put back into place and this church can be fully useful again. And this is what we should be praying for. This is what should, we should be praying for each other regards as well. But we need to engage in this process too. Uh, chapter 7 verse 1 therefore since we have these promises dear friends let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit perfecting holiness out of reverence for god so on the one hand we need to pray for this and want this but we need to do stuff about it as well let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit perfecting holiness out of reverence for god it's got to be something that comes from here and that we we do we start to do put into practice put into action and this really brings us back to what we thought about a few weeks ago in the summer months about the fact that we are apprentices of jesus that we should see our christian lives as a training and developing process just a a few verses here for you from the gospels Uh, jesus said in luke 6 verse 40 the student is not above the teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So our aim to be fully trained is to be like Jesus, our teacher. Our goal uh, the goal of our apprenticeship is to be more like him, to be like Jesus to to train and to learn on the job. It's our apprenticeship goal. Jesus gave his teaching with this in mind in Matthew chapter 4, 5 verse 48. He says be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect be complete be mature fully mature be fully put back together be fully restored as your heavenly father is perfect now of course we can never be truly 100 percent absolute perfect like like god is but that's our goal we're aiming for that kind of perfection we're going in that direction for that maturity and that restoration now in this training process we need to take the word of jesus ever so carefully Listen to what he says, like he told us to in the parable of the, uh, the, the two builders, one who built on the rock, the one who built, built on the sand, the one who built on the rock, his house stood the storm, is the one who, who hears and obeys what he said. So we need to listen to the word of Jesus ever so carefully and take it ever so seriously. And it's not in a classroom that we really learn, but it's in life, through the ups and downs, through the tough experiences, as well as the nice experiences of life. And that's what the Apostle James is getting at in James chapter one, verse four. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we can even embrace the difficult things in our lives to to grow and develop through them. So in other words, there's nothing in life, nothing good or bad, no easy experience or really tough experience. There's nothing that can't be used along with the teaching of Jesus as we listen to him and take him seriously take his word the bible seriously there's nothing that will stop us to from growing in maturity and towards full restoration so we can enter into this with a, a prayerfulness and working hard at it but with that confidence that god will continue the work that he's begun in us and he will bring it to completion as philippians 1 uh, verse 6 or 16 i think says now there are are different ways of of putting the, the title for this message this morning as I said there's different ways to translate those words strive for full restoration some translations put it be mature um, one translation says put things in order uh, become mature and there's various ones but ultimately it all is converging on the same idea the same thought that we need to aim for full restoration so we're going to be practical now and we're going to think about how think of the how of restoration work Now, I want us to think about restoration of things, restoration of objects. We can see some things here that, uh, items that can be used for cleaning things in the home or things in in the workshop. But let's think about the process of restoration itself. The first thing to do is to uh, inspect and assess, inspect and assess. So you get something that, uh, maybe an old bike or maybe an old tool of some kind and you look at it, or an old car, and you look at it and you inspect it and assess, see what the problems are, see where its strengths and weaknesses are, and then you you go through that. And then after that, you need to remove and clean. So you need to remove the rust, remove the the rotted bits, cut out what's damaged and can't be uh, repaired and so on. So you need to remove and to clean. You might be in the home, you have to remove the, the dust and so on or whatever it might be. So remove and clean what you want to restore. And then the next thing is to rebuild or replace. So you've taken away the rust, taken away the, the rubbish, taken away what can't be repaired and you, you rebuild it. From, maybe from scratch you get your welder out uh, or you, you get a piece of, new piece of wood and cut it to shape to fit the, where the rock was or, or whatever it is, you rebuild or replace. And then the next thing to do is to test And adjust so you've got your bike basically fixed up but you need to get it out on the road make sure the gears are working properly uh, make sure everything's adjusted the height of the saddle the height of the handlebars or you restore a Land Rover uh, and uh, then you take it out on the road and then you have to make sure everything's okay and everything's timed up nicely tire pressures are okay everything's working there's no loose wires or connections and so on so you have to test and adjust and that's the process uh, of restoration work and we need to keep assessing our lives in the light of what god says by comparing how we live with the teaching of jesus now here's some uh, restoration work that uh, drew has done there's an old anvil there 200 year old anvil and uh, drew got this all knocked about and rusty and you can see it's on the other side of the screen it's all bright and shiny and uh, drew even uh, restored that the the stomp there tree stump and has used that as a base for putting his anvil on so Drew's a master restorer and uh, he's done a really good job there really fantastic so if you need anything restoring talk to Drew uh, but he's got so many projects on he probably won't have time to to do but at least he'll give you the advice uh, that you you need to restore things so we need to keep assessing looking at what the damage is looking at what where the rust is and then we go to the process of restoration here's another thing that uh, Drew has been involved with on the left of your screen you'll see uh, a less good condition tool and uh, it's a press and it's a press originally used to assemble Chinook that's the big helicopters with the two two rotor blades uh, two sets of rotor blades and it was used to assemble them uh, somehow uh, Drew's got one of those machines and he's cleaned it up and there it is working on the right there all nice and shiny on looks like the old kitchen worked up doesn't it but that's um, Drew's uh, special den Uh, in his workshop there and so something restored and drew had to assess the problems with it see where it wasn't working and bring things to their back to their full glory and that's what we need to do with our lives we need to keep assessing our lives in the light of what uh, uh light of what god says in his word so keep assessing our lives and chapter 13 of 2 corinthians says examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith test yourselves do you realize that christ jesus is in you unless of course you fail the test and there are other verses in the bible which encourage us to examine ourselves and just to see how we're living our lives and to see what god says and to see if we're heading in the right direction so we need to keep assessing our lives in the light of god's word just like we do for a restoration project and then we need to remove and clean we need to remove and clean the rusty the decayed attitudes and behavior so we see things in our lives that are not right Uh, and in chapter 7 verse 1 we read from this earlier therefore since we have these promises dear friends let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit perfecting holiness out of reverence for god so we look at our lives we assess we see where there are mistakes where the rot is and we work to remove and clean those things we confess our sins to god and we, we trust him for forgiveness and then we seek to live differently and then we need to rebuild. We need to rebuild or, or replace, of course. We need to rebuild good habits in the place of bad habits. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, another book in the Bible, uh, not far letter not far away from Corinthians, says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Put on compassion. You, you've taken off the, the dirty, filthy clothes to change the imagery here. Uh, and you put on The nice things, the compassion, the kindness, the humility, the gentleness, and the patience. So we need to rebuild good habits and put good things on in place of the bad things. And then, of course, we need to road test things. We need to live that out. Um, We need to live that out in the real world. We need to make good habits part of our lives in practice. And chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians says this verse 7 for we we live or we walk or we, we carry out our lives by faith not by sight in other words it's a way of living an action based on faith and it makes a difference to how we live if we are believing and wanting these this restoration life that god wants us to live so be perfect is the encouragement strive for full restoration put things in order relocate what is dislocated remember the net with the holes in the wrong places remember that the need for the threads to be tied up again and for the the holes to be in the right places when the threads are all put in the right place and restored become perfect by filling up what is lacking in your christian character as we assess our lives in the light of what god says now ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 we see here that god gives resources uh, to to the church for this process uh, he gives leadership and teaching gifts and we'll come back to that at the end but it says here until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature or complete or restored it could be translated attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ so this should be the the goal and the aim of us all assessing ourselves removing and cleaning the rot and the rust rebuilding good habits into our lives and living that out and working together as well with the the church leadership, with the, the, the gifts that are given teaching and counseling in the church to become mature now, I want you to use your imaginations here and uh, imagine you're losing you're losing your temper. imagine that you're just losing the plot and you're verbally attacking your your husband or your wife your your brother or your sister and you can see that your attitude doesn't fit in with the teachings of the Bible, so you assess your life now some people sadly. Don't bother to assess their lives. They just carry on behaving like that kind of way, and won't listen to any assessment. won't take Won't take anything what God says. That's not what we should be. For a Christian, we should be willing to assess what we've just said to our husband, to our wife, or to our brother or sister. In this example, and we see that our attitude doesn't fit in with the teaching of the Bible. It's not patient. It's not loving. It's not kind. So you make an honest assessment. And then you apologise and you confess your sin to God and to the person, if if a person's involved in this. And you trust in God's forgiveness. And then you don't leave it there, of course. But then you try to find ways to build in different attitudes and ways of thinking and responding to triggers and certain situations. You work out different ways to respond in the future. So you've assessed, you've removed, you've confessed your sins, you're determined to do what's right. You're trying to build in good habits and you're trying to build in good things in the place, and then you put it into practice. You live that out. You give it a road test. You see, you actually try to do it. You aim to do it the next time. And whatever way you try to remind yourself, whether you talk to another fellow Christian to to, to kind of be accountable to, whatever it is, whether you write it in your diary to remind you, uh, whatever, we then give it a road test. And then did we do better next time? Maybe a bit better, but we need to tweak this or tweak that. Make sure the connections are back in properly. We live it out. And we adjust accordingly and then go back continue to rebuild reassess and so on now it could be that you as you honestly assess your life you see impatience um, you see a problem with deliberate lust you see a problem with self-centeredness or just not thinking about how others feel there are some people like that aren't they that just don't seem to kind of have any thought how other people are impacted by their behavior or their attitudes now what do you do well you should feel bad about about what you your attitude that you've seen, whatever it might be. But some people say, well, that's, that's me and leave it there. That's just me, I'm just a, a grumpy thing. Or that's me, I'm just, <laughs> I'm so impatient. And they leave it there. That's just them, they say. And everyone else has got to suffer it and everyone else has got to put up with it. Or instead, do you intentionally confess that sin? That lack of love or, or that lack of, Kindness, that lack of gentleness, or whatever it might be, and do you pray now and work for progress to put things in order? Now I'm sure you know the right answer. But let's put it um, put it as a kind of multiple choice for you. There's something lacking in your Christian character, whatever it might be. It could be different things, obviously, for different ones of us. But do you a when you assess it and see it? Do you a leave things as they are, almost just giving into it? That's just the way you are. Is that the right way? or b do we acknowledge it repent over it and seek strategies based on jesus teaching how to change don't bother to send your answers in on a postcard um, because i think we all know the answer the answer is b acknowledge it repent over it and seek strategies based on jesus teaching how to change it and it's a very serious thing that we acknowledge and don't be like people who go through their lives Just not having any understanding of how they're impacting upon others hurting trampling over people but acknowledge your sins uh, whatever it might be whatever issue it might be repent over it and seek strategies based on jesus how to change and we can we have confidence that we can change with the help of god and we can also help each other in this we can help help each other Uh, we can help one another Galatians 6 verse 1 brothers and sisters if someone is caught in a sin you who love who live by the spirit should restore that person gently but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted so we need to be cautious and prayerful and help and kind when we do it but we can help each other towards restoration so that's why we're in a church fellowship to help one another and then also we can see that we should use church leaders in this we quoted from Ephesians 4 verse 12 earlier on and it talks about church leaders being enabled to equip God's people for works of service so that the church of Christ may be built up so you know if you've got a question uh, something that's puzzling you something you read in the bible if you see something in your life that you know is not right and you want help for, for strategies based on what Jesus teaches to build new habits good habits into your life then speak to a trusted Christian a pastor, a church leader, whoever it might be. So someone that you can say, look, I'm struggling with this. Now, you might be afraid to do that thinking, well, they're going to think so bad of me that I'm struggling with this issue, whatever it might be. But I can guarantee that every church leader has wrestled with it or is even wrestling with it as well. And so together you can journey, or it might be a Christian friend who you trust is a mature Christian and you go to them. And most likely you might be afraid to talk about it before them, but you'll probably mention it, eventually get it out and you'll find that they've struggled with the same or at least they know somebody else who struggled with it and you can walk, walk together help and encourage each other but use the resources of the church whether it be each other whether it be church leaders with a particular preaching and teaching and counseling gifts use one another that the church that the body that you might be built up now as we come to a close now who benefits from you and I working towards completion who benefits from you and I growing in Christ likeness it's obviously you but it's not just you is it it's not just me it's everyone around us it's our family it's our children it's our parents it's our colleagues in work it's our friends our fellow believers in the church now none of us no one I can't none of us can demonstrate perfection none of us can but what we can do is all demonstrate positive change we can demonstrate the process of restoration and that, in a sense, for fellow human beings is more valuable than, the, if you like, for us to be able to at least or maybe pretend that we've, we've, we've got there. Because the truth is we haven't. And they need to see people who haven't got there working for the right things. Now, your children will never see a perfect dad or mum, will they? They'll never. My children, sadly, will never see a perfect dad or mum. Mum, close, but not dad. But they can see a dad or a mum who is earnestly changing for the better. And that is so useful for our children, becoming more of a godly and more of a trustworthy parent. Even children seeing that we're we're changing and and confessing our sins and moving on in grace. Because they can model that too, because they need to do that in their lives as well. Your colleagues at work will never see a perfect person. But they can see a person who is growing in the beauty of Christ-likeness. They can see someone who is not as they were last year. Well, you used to do that last year, but now you changed. Why have you changed? You oh, you, you, had a, didn't, you, had a bit of a temple last year, didn't you? And I remember that. And you weren't very impact, patient with me last year, but now you seem different. You seem, why? What's happening? We can demonstrate change if we can't demonstrate perfection. And that's a wonderful thing. Our church will, will never be full of perfect people. And it, it, if it's the case, you've come to a church where there's perfect people, you've come to the wrong place. You've, you've turned wrong somewhere. <laughs> you've, you've gone straight to heaven. But the reality is this that if we are all demonstrating dynamic progress towards completeness and maturity, not only will it be exciting and wonderful and beautiful fellowship to be part of, but it'll it'll be a witness to the people around us that broken people like us get put back in shape, that people can be restored as they trust and follow Jesus. So mend your ways, strive for full restoration, put things in order, become mature and complete. The aim is perfection and completeness, a church net that is mended, a church of individuals that are becoming mended, ready to catch lots of fish. So then, we need restoring. The gospel restores people and we need to pray and to work hard for full restoration. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you have seen us in our need of restoration Lord, you've seen us as broken people. Lord, we think of that uh, true story from the, from Genesis that uh, we had read out, that Cheryl read out from us earlier about how sin came to the world and relationships with you were broken and with each other. And Lord, from that came not only separation from you, but warfare and hatred and murder and stealing and break down in, in marriages and all sorts of sins. And Lord, we, we see the cause was that basic rebellion against you the rebellious heart against you and lord what a mess it's made of this world but we thank you that you saw us in our need and you sent jesus to be our savior and that he brings us forgiveness and reconciliation with you and begins this wonderful process of of restoration lord give us faith again afresh that you can take us broken and dislocated and battered as we are hurt as we are by others hurt by our own foolish mistakes And Lord God, you can change us and transform us by the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to own this, help us to want this, help us to cooperate with you. Lord, as we pray for your power, but we put our efforts and work hard at this. And we thank you, Father. This blesses so many people. This process of restoration is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it does such a good to each other and to the world around us. So please help us as we continue to strive for full restoration, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.